BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. So today we have a really great guest and I'm really excited for you to hear him. He's got some awesome affirmations. So I feel like by the time you're done listening to this episode, you're going to be feeling really good about yourself. You're going to know how to talk to yourself and how to just be positive and you know, the things to say when you're caught up in the heat of the moment, etc. So we'll get to him very shortly. But before that, there were a few things that you wanted me to address and talk about. The first was if their family's not as well off as yours or vice versa. You know, this, it shouldn't be an issue, but I do find that it is. And I don't mean that it's an issue in that like, you know, someone should have the same amount of money as you or you know, if someone has more than you, it's intimidating to... No, none of that. Just about understanding where each other comes from and understanding what people like to spend money on. So for example, let's say that I'm dating someone that has a lot more money than I do. I wouldn't understand what money means to them, if that makes any sense, you know? like, And they wouldn't understand what money means to me. We would just have different views on how we handle our own money because we weren't raised in the same way when it comes to money. And um, I know that sounds confusing, but like, I'll give you an example. Like, let's say the opposite, right? Let's say I had more money than my partner. Then my partner might not understand why, you know, I want to go to a nice hotel because it's not something they're accustomed to. And instead, they'd want to, when they travel, maybe spend less money. Um, You know, these things sound trivial, but they can add up when you are finding a life partner. You want to have the same views on things. Like you want someone who grew up in a similar way so that if, let's say, I want to send my kid to camp, the partner would understand that that's a cost that I would want to spend on. You know, in the opposite way, let's say that I had. I was the one who had less money. I wouldn't understand why my partner would want to spend money on nice shoes because that's not something I'm accustomed to. So it's not make or break, but it is something that makes it easier when choosing a partner is is like having the same understanding of how to spend. And, and that we talked about a lot in the Laura Wasser episode. So you can revisit that. So Indian matchmaking. I watched this with my boyfriend's mom and it was super entertaining. I loved, I, I don't even know what her name was. They they had like a, a nickname for her, but the woman who was the matchmaker, I feel like they called her Honey or like some sweetie or something. I don't know. But she was definitely a character. I think there was a lot of backlash on like, oh, this is 
so not, this is like not the way that, you know, it is today in India. And this is very anti-women and this and that. Um, you know, I don't disagree. There were moments where I feel like she wanted the women to be more flexible than the men, which I don't like because flexible, you know, can be a synonym for like subservient or the women have to be the ones to compromise, whereas the men don't. I, I don't agree with that. But I do think that what I took from this is that people come to us like, you know, matchmakers, people who like to match people up and they say things like, and again, I'm not a professional matchmaker, but people who want to be set up will be like, oh no, I need, I need a guy who's over six feet or I need a girl who loves to bike ride and is in really good shape or whatever it is. And, you know, they can't be a lawyer or they can't be this and they can't be that. But those things are irrelevant. Like what you need is a really nice person. And that's why I really liked, I think it was like Nadia, you know, the the character who was tall and had long hair and was like a dancer. She was great because she basically was like, I just want someone who's a good person. And that is who you should be looking for. And, you know, I don't think it worked out for her in the end. I think the guy ended up bailing on her a lot, which was really messed up. I didn't like that. But she essentially, you know, she wants someone who's a good person and therefore she's going to end up really happy. She's going to end up finding someone great. Whereas the other girl, her name is Seema. She's from Mumbai and she's a marriage consultant. And basically she matches up all of these people. And um, the thing is like, you know, like for example, Aparna, she's this 34 year old attorney but she won't date another lawyer. And she has kind of a negative demeanor about her. And it's like, she's not a lovable character. But then when she goes on the date, she's actually fine. And she is actually sweet and like can hold her own, you know. But all in all, I really loved Nadia the best because she, it seemed to me, like she just wanted someone who was a good person as opposed to, no, I don't want a lawyer. They have to be over six feet or like guys saying, you know, they have to be a model. Like there was that one guy, um, prod human. And he was like the jeweler from Mumbai. And he was very like almost too particular and he wouldn't date anyone. He thought he was the shit. So it's like, I think from both men and women in the show, there are people who, you know, could have, lowered their standards a bit. But I, I do agree like with the people who said that um, the women were kind of like told to settle more than the men, which I don't love about that. And obviously there are no gay couples that were set up and that was kind of backwards. But I read an article that basically said that this show is like a product of kind of our culture and the way that we are already acting. And so that it wasn't so much that, oh, this is so offensive, but if anything, it's to exploit the ridiculousness of how people matchmake and how people date. Um, and also I thought it was funny that the men all wanted someone that was just like their mom. I feel like that is really telling. And like, that is something that goes over to every culture. Like men kind of do end up gravitating towards their mom. I didn't hear any of the women say that they wanted someone like their dad. Um, Sorry if you hear the sprinklers. I don't know why they just went on. Today's one of those days. 
And so generally, I really liked the show. I felt like the ending wasn't great. Like I wanted to know what happened with all the couples. But um, I thought it was good. I know that, you know, there are people who don't like it and think that it's like casting stereotyped and it was classist that I will agree with. Like they obviously, they only showed rich people and rich families, which was a little ridiculous, but there was a couple that ended up together at the end. I think it was maybe, I forgot the name, but he was like extremely wealthy and had a ridiculous bedroom. And then in order to marry the girl, he like gave her a huge jewel or something. And both of them were really boring. And so I kind of thought that they were a great match. I also thought it was really funny that when you meet the first time you go with your parents, like, I don't think that that would ever work for normal setups. Like it's just too much. And and they did say like, when you marry someone, you, your families marry each other that I will agree with. Like you have to, you have to understand that the two families are coming together as one. So it is really important that your parents, if you have a good relationship with them, get along with your significant other's parents. If you're a creative and you're in the industry, you already know about Issue and what they do. But for anyone who doesn't know, you know, when you're editing something, you want it to be perfect. And then you format and you reformat and you want it to be the final product to be incredible, whether it's a presentation or, you know, you're coming up with an, a magazine or just creating something for Instagram or Facebook or just social media. An issue is perfect for that because it's an all-in-one platform where you can create and distribute really beautiful digital publications. So if you know about issue, you've used it to look at things like, for example, they've got the Alexander Wang presentation up there. You can look at like final presentations for really amazing brands that you would not otherwise have access to. And it's perfect for marketers, designers, educators, publishers. If you're in sales, I mean, you just upload your PDFs and your files and Issue transforms them to your vision. And they've got templates so you can basically the work is done for you and you just have to complete it. So it's really cool. And once you create it once with Issue, it can distribute everywhere. And everything is optimized to post on your website and social platforms like Instagram and Facebook. It's really cool. And um, they can also help you make animated Instagram stories, which we know everybody loves. So to get started with Issue, it's actually free. All you have to do is go to Issue and it's spelled I-S-S-U-U dot info slash Acme. So that's I-S-S-U-U dot info slash Acme. And you can sign up, let them know that you heard about it from our show. And remember, it's dot info, not dot com. So one more time, it's I-S-S-U-U dot info slash Acme. You'll get your free account today. And I'm excited to see what you can create. Hey guys, I'm Whitney Port and this is With Wit. A lot of you may know me from reality TV and the reality is a lot's happened since the hills. With Wit is dedicated to having real, raw, and occasionally ridiculous conversations with the people who have had a profound impact on me because on With Wit, very little is off limits. Subscribe so you don't miss any of the amazing conversations to come. New episodes of With Wit are available every Tuesday on all platforms. Okay, moving on. 
dating a person whose parents are Trump supporters. I mean, this is kind of on the same on the same line. I I just it wouldn't be for me. It would be too different. But if they were open to talking about it and they weren't against people who had another opinion, I guess it would be okay. It would just make me question their morals because I feel like now when, you know, whereas like it's, it used to be fine. You were Democrat or Republican. Now it kind of like says more about you. Um, And we'll get into more political stuff on a later episode with a really special guest that's coming on. So I don't want to say any more about that. Um, Someone asked to talk about tips for single people when everyone around you is getting engaged and married. I think you really have to focus on yourself and like stay in your own lane in this case. I know it's really hard because it seems like, oh, everyone's so happy. But first of all, that's not always the case. Like it's very possible that people are just getting married because that's the next step. Then like they've been together or they're just, you know, maybe they're happy now. Maybe things will change later. But comparison is like really the devil. And so I would just work on you and make sure that you are someone that like you would want to be with and work on self-love. And this episode today is all about self-love. So I think you're going to really learn a lot from it and take a lot from it. And maybe you can start a passion project. If you feel like you're not where you want to be at in your career, focus on that, but don't put too much weight on needing that partner because that's when you will likely get it the least. Okay. So we've talked a lot about there, there, and there as in like T-H-E-I-R, T-H-E-Y apostrophe R-E and there as in T-H-E-R-E. I'm going to tell you how I know it and how I learn it. There as in T-H-E-I-R is when you're talking about someone else, right? So like you're referring to, for example, like their family or like their, hold on. I I feel like I could be better at discussing this and I really want you guys to figure it out. And so I'm going to look something up. Okay. So there is a possessive pronoun. So if you're saying there and we're talking T-H-E-I-R, you're saying like, oh, their car is red. So you're talking about someone else specifically, like their house is nice, right? And then when you're saying there as in they apostrophe R-E, that's they are. No matter what, that's always they are. So that's two different words. You know what I'm saying? So like, it's basically a sentence, like they're rich. That would be they apostrophe R-E. They're rude. They apostrophe R-E because you're not talking about something that they own. You're not saying their ring, right? So you could say their ring is nice and you're saying T-H-E-I-R, but they're rude, which is T-H-E-Y apostrophe R-E. Then you have there as in T-H-E-R-E and that is a noun talking about a place. So like get away from there. So we'll try a whole sentence, right? Their ring is nice, but they are rude. Get away from there. T-H-E-R-E. Does that make sense? I really hope it does. Also, someone asked me to talk about like the best ways to virtually date. And for me, I really think it's so important to have a good wireless network. And I don't know if you're still on like your parents' phone bill or not. But for me, I... 
unfortunately I'm not. And so I use Net10 Wireless, which is... If, I mean, if you, I feel like you've heard me talk about Net10 Wireless before because we did like a whole IG Live about it. But it's so essential to have an affordable, reliable wireless service if you're like dating, you know? And so they have a $50 plan with 30 gigabytes of high-speed data and then 2G and a free international calling credit of $20. So if you don't have Net10 Wireless, go to net10wireless.com and get it, check it out. You wanted me to talk about Carly Kloss theories. Okay. I don't want to go over too much, but essentially everyone thinks that Carly Kloss and Taylor Swift were lesbian together. There's like a whole PowerPoint about it. If you Google Carly Kloss PowerPoint Taylor Swift, basically it started with, I think the song Dress. It's about like our secret moments in a crowded room. And then, you know, there's all these pictures of Carly and Taylor holding hands. Do I believe these theories? Oh, and now they're not friends anymore, which is like a dramatic ending. So it's like, why wouldn't they be friends if they were just friends? Like, but that happens all the time. I think they stopped being friends because Carly and her husband were friends with Scooter Braun and you know, the whole Scooter Taylor drama. I'm not even going to get into it. But my stance on it is that even though I really want to believe that Taylor had a lesbian phase, I do not think she did. I think Carly and her were friends and now they're not. And everyone is like really looking for something, but there might not be anything there, unfortunately. And by the way, that there was T-H-E-R-E. Partner prioritizing family over you. I think that it's such a turn on when when your partner like prioritizes their family, but not necessarily over you. Like if you're, you know, close to your 30s, like you should be at a place with your partner where it's like you guys are a team and they're your partner in life and like you make decisions on when to go see each other's families etc etc but you also have to be an advocate and like advocate for your family for your partner to spend time with their family because no one wants someone who you know like if let's say you're having a fight with your sister and your partner's like yeah your sister's so wrong you don't want that. Like you want them to fight on the side of your family. You want them to be an advocate for your family because at the end of the day, you love them, but you don't want them to prioritize their family over you. And like, let's say spend time, more time with their family without you. If that makes any sense, like if they're going to spend time with their family, it would be nice if they included you and made sure that that's something that you wanted to do too. Marriage conversation, when to bring it up. You should bring up marriage when... Actually, I don't know. I don't think you should bring it up necessarily. I think it's something that comes up naturally. I think if you're moving in with someone, it would be silly to move in with someone without having spoken about marriage at all or even being on the same page like, oh, you know, we see ourselves having a future together type thing. I don't think you should sit someone down and be like, so are we getting married? Like that to me feels forced and like cornering. I think that you kind of, you generally know. And like, if your partner shudders at the idea of marriage and like it scares them, then that's not a good sign. But if they, you know, often make references to like your future kids, then you're on the right track. Okay. Let's get into the episode. I think you guys are going to really enjoy it. And hopefully we'll have some positive affirmations to tell yourself afterwards. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited to be here with affirmation writer and strategist, Mikkel Clark. Hey, Mikkel. What's going on? 
not much, not much. Just uh, hanging in there with this whole pandemic thing, day one million. The whole collapse of the world, those types of things. Yeah, yeah, no big deal, no big deal. So before I ask you questions, which I have a lot of, Mikhail, how old are you and where are you from? I'm 30. I'm from Woodbridge, Virginia, which is like an hour south of D.C. Cool. And what is your current relationship status? I am a husband. I'm married. Awesome. And would love to hear your story. Um, How did you and your partner meet? Man, so we met... I've been writing for a long time and I share a lot of things on the internet and things like that. And um, she told me she happened to find an article that I had written and kind of saw me and started following me. And we ended up having a really interesting conversation in, I want to say it was Twitter DMs. And Mm. I had, I had asked, you know, people like what I should write about next in my newsletter. At the time, I was focusing on um, social media coaching, like helping different creatives to be able to, you know, figure out how to build their audience and how to how to sell and those types of things. And she introduced this really interesting idea about using Jay Z's 444 album as like a proxy for talking about brand maturation. And I was just like, I was really interested. Started talking a bit more, and I found out um, that she lived in Connecticut. I'm in D.C., but she travels a lot. I saw she was in town for um, some kind of meeting or a conference for a few days. So I said we should grab dinner, and we did. And dinner went great. <laughs> so we kind of hit it off from there and stayed in touch and just continued to build, you know, first a friendship and then a relationship from there. Yeah, I love that. So would you say that technically she made the first move? Technically, yeah. Yeah, she did. Mm-hmm. That's so funny because... So we talk about like, you know, obviously dating etiquette all the time on this podcast. And so many of our guests in the past have been like, you know, women can't make the first move. It's so not okay. But I disagree. I feel like women can make the initial move, but then like have to step back and let the guy pursue a little. Do you like believe in any of those traditional roles? I'm not really traditional. I think the tradition is oftentimes just kind of based in patriarchy um, and, and based in like, older eras when it was frowned upon for women to have agency in a number of different spaces. Now, I think, of course, like you got to have follow up and you got to show at least like similar interests and then you have to respond accordingly for it to go anywhere. But I don't I don't feel like I have to make the first move. And it, it clearly worked out. Yeah. Well, also, it's like, it's not like you were at a bar and sh- and you both saw each other mm-hmm. and you didn't make the first move. Like, you didn't really know she existed until she showed you that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'll even say, um, as far as like in my earlier days when I was single, there were there were times when I would make an approach and there were times when a woman would and it didn't really, I didn't feel offended by it either way. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And are you guys the same age? We are actually exactly a week apart. So we're both cute. Mm -hmm. So you have to tell me, because we love astrology on the podcast, what are your signs? Are you the same sign? We are about as Capricorn as a Capricorn couple can get. (laughs) Wow, two Capricorns. I can't even imagine. Mm -hmm. Um, That's crazy. I mean, you guys must work really hard if the the, um, stereotype is true. Yeah, the stereotype is is pretty true um, based on on us. Uh, we both have the day jobs that we enjoy. And we also decided um, 
to do a bunch of creative projects together. And we're like really happy some Saturdays just kind of sitting in bed and on, on our laptops and designing things and writing things. So yeah, we, we fit the stereotype pretty well. Love it. So I want to talk about these affirmations. I feel like I've been hearing so much about affirmations. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, between... I've also been hearing a lot about um, the term self-gaslighting. And it's just like not being kind to yourself and mm-hmm. like telling yourself that you're not good enough and telling yourself that you can't do X, Y, and Z. So would you say that affirmations sound like, you know, kind of like the opposite of that? And what are some affirmations that people can tell themselves kind of to feel better and not like have anxiety? For sure, for sure. Um, so the first part of the question was really just... I think their effect is the opposite. Um, like to me, when when you're gaslit, it kind of diminishes the way that you feel, right? So you, you know, you can't feel that way because A, B, and C, and it's the way that you feel. Like there's no way to negate how you feel. Like only you know that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think like to me, the first part of an affirmation is to to acknowledge how you feel. Like you, you can't give somebody like an empty affirmation. Like it's gonna be all right that doesn't mean anything to me at least. But if you actually address like, you know, it's, it's okay to feel this way and you also know that things can get better or you are in control or there's a lot more to focus on. There's different perspectives to think about. Um, Acknowledging, you know, the way that you feel and then moving towards some kind of constructive solution. So in a sense, yeah, I could see it being the opposite of, of gaslighting, of self gaslighting. Yeah. And what are some affirmations that you either like came up with yourself or that you feel like you turn to often when you're feeling like anxiety or just like not great? Mm -hmm. I tend to oftentimes focus on the fact that I can always control my reaction and that I can't, I can't blame myself for things that I can't control. So I can always find a little bit of comfort in knowing that I can just do the best that I can and no amount of worry is going to change the things that I can't control. There's actually no, like, there's no real benefit in worrying. So I may as well just start to let go of that and put myself back in a space where I can start to think a bit more clearly and um, just function a bit more productively. I'm not going to get anything from worrying. How could affirmations help someone who let's say is like fighting with their partner or like just you know yeah like fighting a lot and just Mm -hmm. like forgetting kind of like what the goal is in in the fight it could go a couple of different ways um i think first and foremost if you're if you're arguing there's probably a lot of different emotions especially with somebody who you you love and might be in love with might be in lust with i don't know which one it might be. But I think first and foremost, the affirmations um, can help you to center yourself and remind mm-hmm. yourself that, you know, things that have been said in anger are oftentimes not really indicative of the way that somebody feels about you. And additionally, they're definitely not indicative of what the actual truth is. Affirmations can remind you of your self-worth affirmations, I mean, I would hope they would remind you that at the end of the day, um, and we always say this, me and my wife, if we have something we have to get through, um, we have to remember that we are building this relationship with love as the foundation, right? So all the things that we said, we, we said them, they happened, but we can unravel, you know, the, the cause and effect 
and know that it was rooted in good intention, um, that we're imperfect human beings, but the intention and the purpose of us being together is still love and that we can attack the problem, you know? So just starting to just talk yourself through like the things that are true and the things that led you to start that relationship. And, you know, there might be moments when affirmations cause you to focus back on, you know, self-worth and Mm. what you know that you deserve. And, you know, there could be a time when an affirmation, um, when you recenter yourself and, you know, re-internalize your worth and realize like, hey, maybe I shouldn't be in this situation because it's not, it's not part of what I need. and It's not affirming me and my worth. Yeah. It's so hard though. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. right now I feel like I'm in a relationship that's aligned with my self-worth and like makes me feel good. But so many of my relationships in the past, like I was just not, I was like, I wouldn't, I don't know if the word is even compromising. I was like betraying my own needs for Mm -hmm. this other person or doing this and that. And like, it's so hard to, when you're in it, to like realize, oh, I deserve better. Or Mm -hmm. like, you know, tell yourself any of these affirmations. And people always ask me who listen to the podcast, like, how are you so confident? And I'm like, well, first of all, like, you don't see what you don't see. Mm -hmm. But second of all, it's like, I feel like for me, and I wonder if this is the same for you, like confidence comes from like doing esteemable acts, like doing good things, you know, and like be showing up for people in my life. Like it's not like superficial outside stuff, you know, like where do you find your confidence comes from? I agree that I think confidence does in part come from like the act of actually doing and understanding that, you know, what you do can impact people positively. I think for me, I got to a point, so when I was a kid, I had a really strong nervous stutter. I had a bunch of things that just stopped me from feeling confident when socializing with people and talking to people. Um, but to this day, of course, I get nervous for a number of different things, but it's just like being nervous does nothing for me. It, it, it does nothing for me. So it's just like I just choose to, at the very least, like, pretend to not be nervous and for me when I start to I start to talk as if I'm confident I start to give myself the space to just like pretend to be confident I end up starting to feel more confident because I'm, I'm exuding like the things that people perceive to be confident they start to listen start to pay attention and um, it, it helps me to actually feel you know what I'm pretending that I have um, so that's a big help and just knowing that I've been nervous, but I've, I've pushed through before and I've built momentum before. So it's like, I can be nervous, you know, for example, when the podcast starts, but once we get in the flow of things, once I listen, you know, actively and just internalize certain cues, like I can get past the the jitters of the first like five minutes. Yeah, it's so true. It's, it's funny you mentioned that about, um, you know, having a nervous stutter growing up. I had a lisp growing up oh, man. and it was rough. And I was so, and like, not only did I have a lisp, but I was a slower learner. Mm-hmm. And so I made calm, but I was like, I was like oh, an outgoing slow learner. Mm-hmm. So I would raise my hand and say something really dumb in class. And I would get made fun of all the time by like these, I went to an all girls school. So it was like these girls who were, you know, so much smarter, who like read like all the Harry Potter books, Mm -hmm. like would make me feel like shit about like my lisp and about um, like, I remember once, and this is so embarrassing. I can't believe I'm even admitting this, but I raised my hand once in class and I said, 
how do we know that dinosaurs were real if there were no pictures of them? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is so not, I mean, that makes no sense. There are fossils, you know, but I didn't understand what a fossil was back then. Mm-hmm. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, am I ever going to know things? Like, am I ever going to get it? Mm-hmm. And it's like with everything I've done in my life, I've always thought that like with driving, learning how to drive a car, I'm like, am I ever going to know how to drive a car? Mm-hmm. And then you just do the thing and yeah. then you get over it, you know, and then you get good at it. And like, that's just the way life goes. So it's like to stress out about something when you're either way too young or like you haven't even really tried doing it is like just going to hurt you. you yeah. Know? And I mean, I, I would say like based on us being here right now, like asking questions has been pretty good to you over your life. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I think that I've also learned that a lot of the things that I thought were were bad at first, like are actually good when I like, I channel them in the right way and I, I look at them like as potential good things, you know? Um, I think, like, especially, like, when you're growing up, there's so much pressure just to fit in. Like, for me, I wanted, you know, I wanted to be an athlete. I wanted to be perceived as being strong. I wanted to be all these different things. But, you know, then came social media and writing became important. You know, like, research became important. Yeah. You know, imagining different concepts became important. Um, you know, so I just think there's there's so many ways that the things that we start off like shunning about ourselves can become like at least the seeds for like some good things. Yeah. So going back to affirmations, like they always remind me about like your mental health, because like if you could speak to yourself nicely, then, you know, you can exercise your mental health in like a positive way. Mm-hmm. And it's July 21st now for context for people listening. And, you know, last night I was reading my Twitter and I saw Kanye West was like, you know, put out like a slew of, of like questionable tweets. And I didn't say a word about it on social media because I know that he has mental health issues. Mm -hmm. And I saw so many people like making fun of him and, and this and that. But then, you know, I also saw so many people being like, this is a mental breakdown and like, this is really serious and needs to be taken seriously. Mm -hmm. Um, I wonder if like you have any thoughts on that and, um, you know, if you have any idea how to deal with a friend or a person in your life like that? Yeah, it was definitely a wild thing just to see. I didn't really want to watch the video, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, it just like I know people who have gone through different mental health issues. Um, and I'm also like I, I used to be a Kanye West stand many years ago. So it's just like, man, like it, it's, it's wild to watch what he's going through and what he's putting out. But for me, I think the biggest thing I try to do if I ever realize that somebody is going through that type of crisis is like, I'm not a mental health expert, but at the very least I can just listen, right? I can say like, I'm, I'm listening, I'm here, I'm sorry you feel this way. Um, just give them space to say, you know, whatever they want to say to make them understand that they're not, they're not alone. And like, I don't question what they feel. I don't judge what they feel. And um, hopefully give them a safe space to just talk and vent. Um, and if they, you know, if they mention needing help, um, like from my vantage point, that would be when I would try to, you know, encourage them to find somebody who can like really help them. 
from my vantage point, I don't think it is productive if somebody's going through an episode to be like, you need help or, you know, whatever else. It could almost like push them away um, and make mm-hmm. them think that I don't want to talk to them or, you know, something to that effect. So that's that's my take. Yeah. We actually had someone ask a question like, you know, your friend refuses to take care of their mental health, refuses to see a therapist do you stick around and like continue being friends with them or do you like distance yourself as to not like let them bring you down? And I never really know the answer to that. Like it's so hard because when I went through a depression, I remembered everyone who wasn't there, which is like not healthy or Mm -hmm. normal, but it's just the truth. And I feel like, yeah, it sucks to be around someone who's like such a negative energy and it's so important to protect your space. But at the same time, it's like, you have to be loyal to friends. Yeah, it's definitely a tough, like very, very tough dilemma to work through. I will say we can't let anybody like weaponize loyalty against us. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that part of the struggle is that if you're not careful, you can end up in a space where you start to lose, you know, a bit of the peace or clarity that you might have had um, if you're kind of always trying to play cleanup with them, you can also like very much so get hurt. And I, I, I'll say I've, I've been hurt by people who I've tried to stick around for who have, you know, mental health issues. I will also say that I, I think to me it's about managing expectations and setting the right boundaries. So I, I believe that there is a way to be around for somebody if you want to like really acknowledge like this is not going to be no overnight fix you're not going to like be like hey it's going to be okay and they're going to feel better and it's this instant like happy story that's not what it is nor should it be what you're there for um like we we can't look to be somebody's savior we can hope to be a contributing you know positive factor to what somebody's going through but we can't expect for an instant fix. Um, I think that we also can't be so empathetic um, and, you know, fall so deep into, you know, internalizing their situation as, you know, being something that can like pull you in that we end up feeling the same way as them. We gotta, we gotta have some degree of distance and we can continue to check in, but I think we got to just know ourselves and like get really clear that, you know, unless we are mental health experts, we are not, we can't like save them entirely. And um, we can't really internalize everything they feel, but it it is like, it, it probably will mean a lot if they have somebody who does, you know, stick around, who does answer texts, who does like, at least like call back. You know? Right. Yeah. The weaponizing loyalty thing is really spot on because I remember when like the pandemic first happened and it was like, oh, if you haven't checked on your friend who's single, like you're not a good friend and like all this crazy shit. And it's like, dude, like we're all going through a pandemic. Like it's mm-hmm. not like a pointing fingers who hasn't checked on who. Like that's not that's not really what it's about. But um, so obviously, you know, in addition to the pandemic, there is um, like there's so many other things going on in the world right now. And, you know, I 
have been trying to be like a good ally for like the Black Lives Matter movement and, um, you know, been vocal about it on my Instagram. But, you know, I never know what I can be doing more of and less. And like what I've found to be most important right now is like having conversations with my white friends who like watch like Candace Owens and like things that I find like not okay and really ridiculous and like educating them. Have you found anything like on social media that like, have you wanted to unfollow people has just like, how have you, you know, been internalizing what's been going on? Um, I've definitely unfriended some people. Um, I think for me, like Facebook is the, it's the oldest platform. So, you, you know, you, during times like this, you oftentimes learn um, firsthand about how people's opinions have changed and the way they feel about issues they choose to post these loud statements about. So I've definitely, you know, I've unfriended and, and muted and unfollowed at times, just to, like protect myself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's hard to even summarize <laughs> the way that I feel about everything happening right now. Is there a specific like part of what's happening with you? Want me to comment? Like, I guess like, how do you protect your space and how do you also feel like you're doing something helpful and not just you, but like, yeah, what would your advice be to our listeners? Yeah. So I actually, um, I think the first thing that comes to mind, I was like wrestling with this when it started to happen because there's just so many things happening and I want to be able to use like my platform and like the access and connections that I have to be able to make a positive impact. So I ended up, um, I I follow and I've started to kind of build some friendships with people who are, you know, active in a number of spaces that are tied directly to Black liberation, um, to Black queer liberation, um, really just to ensuring, you know, safety and access for some of the most oppressed people who have least opportunity, you know, um, who have, who are at risk, you know, more often than so many of us. And um, I've really been doing my best to continue to like learn from what they're doing and like not be somebody who's asking them a bunch of questions directly because everybody's asking them a bunch of questions directly right now. Um, And I think it's the onus is on all of us to continue to, to, to study, to research and to make this like part of our daily life and not just to, Hey, this is a hot topic now. How can I help? Um, I think it's really important to be able to, like be conscious and be aware, um, like every day, um, not just Black History Month, not just on the anniversary of an uprising um, or when it's a big thing that's that's going on in the news. I ended up writing my take on different ways that creative people can contribute because I think there's a misconception that I've seen some people say, you know, if you're not out there protesting and marching, then you're not really doing anything, which... Protesting is, is is very valid. It's definitely a great way. And it's, it's gotten results. It's forced people in power to listen and to take note and to make changes. We, we've seen that. There's also people who are, you know, funding these organizations, um, who are helping to feed, to provide masks for, even to amplify, you know, what's happening on social media. Like, there's so many different ways. So I think that's 
another reason why it's very important to be able to just sit and, and, and be curious and watch and learn for yourself and understand like the much bigger picture and think about what happens. Like the people are still there and, and work is still being done um, when it's not a headline, when people aren't outside for everyone to see in mass, like there's still work being done. So I think just committing to really like honing in on seeking equity for everyone, um, like all the time, not just when it's a trending topic. Yeah, that's really great advice. So we do this thing on our Instagram story where we do, we ask poll questions to mm-hmm. our listeners and, and followers. So I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions. All right, let's go. Okay. Um, is it okay to have sex at a friend's house during a dinner party? During? During. Like sneak during. off and do that. How big is the house? Like not that big. People obviously know when you get back. Uh, that kind of depends. I, I can see situations where it could be a possibility, you know? <laughs> uh, I mean, I feel like I would like talk about that with my partner, but never actually do it. If you knew your friend was being cheated on, would you tell them or let them find out? You got to tell them. Yeah. Is it normal for your current partner to reach out to their ex to make sure they and their family are okay during COVID? Or is it a bad sign? I think it would depend on the relationship the partner has with the ex. Um, It's not hurting me. Like I'm, we have the trust built. So it's not an issue for me, but it would just depend on if they're still, if they formed a friendship afterwards, like I understand. Mm -hmm. Would you wear shorts on a date? Yes or no? Yes. (laughs) Do you ever feel like you underestimate your partner because of past experiences that you've had with exes and they pleasantly surprise you? Earlier on, yes. Yeah. Do you think you know if someone's the one after one year of dating? Mm, Based on my one-time experience, yes. Was, was it one year until you guys got engaged? Um, it was a bit longer, but I knew before then. If you've been dating your partner for a long time and you do trips every summer multiple times with their family, is there a point where you stop bringing a gift or do you have to bring a gift every time? It might just become more liquor-based. Um, yeah. You might switch the gift. But I mean, I, I would think you would always bring something if somebody's you know, putting you up or you're going on a trip with people you probably just are going to bring some things. Yeah. Is sexting too soon the same thing as having sex too soon? Mm. Is sexting too soon the same as having sex too soon? Um, no, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. Is it a red flag or a deal breaker if a person you've been seriously talking to on a dating app for five days sends your roommate a like? First of all, you're not seriously talking to nobody on a dating app for five days. For five days. That's not, that's not a thing. We were talking on on Tinder for five days. That's no, it's not a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tinder is like where everybody talks to everybody. Yeah. And also like how did like maybe they didn't know it was your roommate. Yeah. I mean, y'all are on Tinder. Like right. if 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 I know you in person, we're off Tinder. Right. Can it work if your significant other's family has very different political views than you and make it known? Yeah, it, it can work. Um, I, think I feel it like in this climate, like not really. Well, I mean, I think it depends how different we're talking. Yeah. 
And also, like, if, if it was me and my partner, that'd be one thing. If it's me and a family, that'd be a different thing. Right. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah. And, like, depends how close they are with their family. Mm-hmm. Is it better to have a few big fights or small arguments more frequently? Um, neither. Um, <laughs> I don't think even one is better. I think that smaller fights is, like, indicative of, like, being able to work through conflict. I feel like yeah. if you can't like resolve the conflict, then it becomes a big fight. So I'd rather have like a bunch of little ones that we kind of work through and learn from. Yeah, I agree with that. But ideally, no fighting. Um, yeah. Okay, so we usually end our episodes with a quote or piece of advice. And I feel like you definitely have a good one to share with us, but feel free to think about it um, unless you have one already ready. Hmm. Just go off the cuff. I would just say, I think a thing that I've like heard like in my own head um, for the past few weeks is to just be kind to yourself. Like you're going to learn things that you didn't know before and you're going to regret some mistakes that you made in the past based on what you now know. Um, but you at least need to be as kind to yourself as you are to friends. Um, so think of yourself as just being a friend, you know what I'm saying? And when you, if you get stuck on things that you regret, if you get stuck on mistakes you made, just think of yourself as being a friend. Just be like, you know, like, you know, you're doing the best you can and now you know, so now you do better. Just yeah. grab if, a light. If we all talk to ourselves the way we talk to our friends, it would be, um, it would be great. And if we all talk to our friends the way we talk to ourselves, it'd be so mean. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> So where can everyone find you, follow you, and read your affirmations? Sure. I am at M-I-C-H-E-L-L-C-C-L-A-R-K. So Mikel C. Clark on pretty much every social media platform. I'm, I'm even on TikTok. I'm on LinkedIn. Like, Oh, wow. I got to go check out your TikTok. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they can find me on any social media platform, MikelCClark.com. And... I have an affirmation book that's on Barnes and Nobles, um, Amazon, Target, all the big places. It's called Keep It 100 Daily Affirmations for Millennials who are tired of being called millennials. And that is for sale. I encourage you. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Mikkel. Thank you. Have a good one. Okay, you too. <laughs>